0: You are listening to the Pimp Your Brilliance podcast, and this is episode number 40. This episode is brought to you by The Visionary Journal. The Visionary Journal is a day planner with vision, encompassing everything you need to successfully achieve your goals. It seamlessly blends goal setting, visualization, planning your day-to-day, and regular review to help you get from idea to done. Learn more about The Visionary Journal by visiting visionaryjournal.co. Welcome to the Pimp Your Brilliance podcast with Monique Malcolm, a show about creative people leveraging their brilliance to create their own opportunities. I aim to show you what's really possible when you shut down the chorus of fear and lean into your genius zone. You can learn more about this show and subscribe for updates by visiting keepchasingthestars.com backslash podcast. Hey, Star Chasers. Welcome back to another episode of Pimp Your Brilliance. I'm your host, Monique Malcolm. And if this is your first time tuning in, Thank you so much for listening and taking this time. The Pimp Your Brilliance podcast is a show for creatives who want to leverage their ideas and create their own opportunities. I'm all about showing you possibility, all the different types of options of work that are out there. And I do this every single week through inspiring interviews with amazing creative entrepreneurs who have amazing and unique and creative businesses. And then I hop on the mic every other week for a solo show where I share my own story and actionable strategies for you to try out for yourself. This week is an interview week, and today I am so excited because I have one of my favorite people on the internet on the show today. I've been fortunate to interview lots of really amazing entrepreneurs, but today's guest is extra special because I really admire her work so much. And I'm always telling everybody to sign up for her newsletter because it's so great. She just has this writing style that connects and it it feels very personable. And she just feels like such a real person and it's not salesy. She just, I, I can't say enough good things about the work that she's putting out into the world. I really, really admire it. And when she agreed to do the podcast, I was so excited I told my business bestie, Siobhan, who's been on the show, and I talk about her all the time, that I was going to interview her. And we legit had a whole conversation like right before the interview happened because we were just both so excited. And she was like, tell her that I'm a stan for her, and I just love her work, and I feel the same. Okay, so let me stop being vague and just let you guys know, I have Alexandra Franzen on the show today. And if you don't know who she is, Alexandra Franzen is a copywriter and a writing coach. She helps clients to develop podcasts, videos, websites, pitches, proposals, books, and other projects. She's also a published author several times over. She does these amazing writing retreats in Hawaii, and she's just an overall good spirit. And as I mentioned before, she writes this really wonderful newsletter to share inspiring true stories writing and creativity tips, positivity, encouragement, and motivation to pursue your goals. So if that doesn't sound like a pimpier brilliance type woman, a woman that I would like to have on the show, then clearly you haven't been listening well enough to all of the things that I'm sharing. But this episode was so good. Like I said, I really enjoyed talking with her. She had a lot of really great insights to share, like how she got started as a writer and she shared taking that big leap growing her business despite not being on social media and she had a lot of things to say about that and that's one of the things that I love the most about her is that she's like I'm not gonna be on social media and it's gonna be fine and then she shared three ways to be a more confident writer and I think we can all take those tips and apply them to our own businesses so if you are ready let's get into this grab your pen and your notebook and let's dive in Hi, Alex. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> I am so excited. I, I think the most excited I've been in a while for interviewing someone. And that's not to say that I don't have great guests, but most of the time they're people that I know or I've met previously in some space, whether it's online or in person. But you were like my first guest that I don't know at all, like have any personal connection to. But I'm such a big fan of your writing style and your business. And I tell every single person I know who's starting a business or has an idea that's business related or wants to write that they have to get on your list. And everybody I know is on your list because I've told them to be. And (laughs) so this is like a big deal because I just I already know there's going to be so many people who are excited to hear this interview with you because they're already familiar with the work because I'm always talking about it. So I would love for you to introduce yourself and tell us about your business and how you make a living
1: yeah so my name is alexandra most people call me alex uh my mom calls me Allie, but that's a whole other story (laughs) Um, i'm a writer i've been a self-employed writer for about eight or nine years now so a little while and in terms of how i make a living as a writer I do a couple of different things. I do writing projects for clients, so clients or companies will hire me to help them write or edit or develop um, all kinds of things. It might be a book proposal, it might be a book manuscript, it might be a podcast, scripts for a video, email marketing campaign, um, a speech, all kinds of things. So I work on all kinds of writing projects, which I really, really love doing. Um, I also teach writing. I teach creative writing retreats in mostly in Hawaii, but sometimes in other places, too. And I also teach writing classes online. And then I have my own, uh, I guess you could say, like my own personal body of work as a writer. I write articles. I write blog posts. I have a weekly newsletter that you mentioned so kindly a moment ago. And I've also written several books, both nonfiction and fiction. And I've done self-publishing with my books. I've also worked with traditional publishers. So I've kind of gone down both routes. And yeah, I have a a new book coming out in October 2018, this month, oh my gosh, uh, which is a novel. And it's called So This Is The End, A Love Story. And it's probably my favorite creative project I've ever worked on. um, And I'm very excited and very nervous (laughs) for it to be released. So that's what I do. Basically, writing services, um, writing books and articles, teaching writing, lots of writing.
0: (laughs) So writing, writing, writing. (laughs) Plenty of writing, which is such a good thing because this is a thing that a lot of people have struggled with and a lot of people mentioned they want to write books. So I can't wait to dive into that in a little bit, but I also want to you to take us back to the beginning. So how did you get started? Because you didn't just end up in this place where you're writing all these projects for companies and publishing books. So where does your story start?
1: Ooh, well, if we want to go like way, 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 way back um, when I was about seven or eight years old. I think that was the I think that was when my mom gave me my very first writing assignment, I guess you could say. I remember it was my great aunt Mimi's birthday. She was turning like 80 or 85, a big number, and my mom told me that she wanted me to write a very special birthday card for great aunt Mimi and I remember I took it really seriously. Like I treated it like, you know, she was my copywriting client and I was going to deliver like an excellent product. (laughs) And I, I think I took a song that was one of Great Aunt Mimi's favorite songs and I rewrote the lyrics so that it was about her and things she loved. And then I made this really special card and I wrote this note. And I just remember even at that very, very young age, like just being so excited and feeling so proud and honored that like, I got to make this special card <laughs> for the birthday. So I mean, in some ways i've been I've been interested in writing and telling stories and using words to create like a positive ripple effect in the world from a really, really young age. Um, you know, at eight or nine years old, I remember writing little stories about unicorns and you know, ponies and then, using my dad's Xerox machine to copy them. and I'd staple them together and bring them to school. And I would sell them to my classmates for like a quarter. Uh, and, then, and then actually a teacher made me stop. She told me that it was inappropriate to sell things to my uh, fellow students. So I had to cut <laughs> down that project. But um, yeah, just really all throughout my life, I've loved, I was always the little kid who, you know, instead of playing sports, I would just make a beeline for the library during lunchtime. I loved to read. I loved anything related to books and words and stories. Um, And then in terms of my career, I did eventually decide to major in English in college. I actually dropped out of college for a while, came back to it, that's a whole other story. Eventually chose English. Um, I wrote for the university magazine when I was in college, which I really loved. And that was kind of my first experience of writing on a deadline and like having a weekly, you know, column I had to turn in every week and then seeing my work in print and, and that whole rigmarole. And that was really exciting. And then right after college, pretty shortly after college, I ended up getting an internship for a public radio company and I worked in the public broadcasting world for several years. And that was an interesting chapter, because in some ways, it was sort of like I had gotten my dream career, you know, I was working in a creative field, and I was working for an amazing media company. And, you know, I had a stable paycheck, and I had the health insurance and the retirement account was created and all the all the things. And yet, it was also a Job, you know, like it was was a forty hour a week cubicle nine to five limited vacation time, you know, kind of situation. And I, I remember after a couple years there, unfortunately, it just was not the right type of profession for me. And I, I just felt my energy levels, my physical health, my mental health, and my creativity were just all. Lummeting, you know and I just felt so drained and just like trapped really and not creative like I did not feel creatively inspired or lit up so this is kind of a long story but I I decided that I was going to quit that job and I was completely terrified because I did not know what exactly I was going to do next I just knew that what I told myself was I'm going to quit this job. I have a tiny, tiny bit of money saved up to like survive for a couple months and I'm going to give myself 1 year. And for this 1 year, I'm going to put my whole heart and hustle into trying to figure out how to make a living as a self-employed writer. And I will try everything and I will do everything and I will stay up late and I will wake up early and I will do whatever it takes to try to make this happen. And if at the end of one year, nothing is happening and like I'm, you know, $50,000 in debt and I'm, you know, have to work in a dive bar as a, you know, waitress or what, like if it's all falling apart at the end of one year then I'll change gears. I can always get another job. I can always become a bartender. I can always, you know, whatever. I can always do something else. But I wanted to give myself one year to at least try because I just had this feeling as I, I suspect probably you do and many others do too of like, if I don't at least try, then I'll always wonder what if, you know, what if I had really gone for it? So that was how I made the leap from having a, a traditional job to being self-employed. And yeah, that, I, the one year went by and it was very hard and very scary and full of learning experiences. Um, but eight or nine years later, I'm I'm still going. Uh, I'm so, so happy that I took the leap and took a risk and and did it because it's turned out to be so much more amazing than I ever could have could have dreamed
0: oh, that just so now I have to ask like the one year it was hard but was there something significant that happened or like a moment during that year did you get to the end of the year and just like okay this is like I can do this or how did you know at the end of the year
1: yeah so that first year um I I knew I wanted to be self-employed I knew I wanted to you know have More freedom in my life. Like, I wanted to be able to work from my laptop wherever I wanted. I I didn't want to have to report to an office. And I knew that I wanted to do something related to writing and communication and creativity and, you know, kind of like media and the arts. That's all I knew. I did not have a clear business plan. (laughs) I did not, you know, have a list of clients waiting to hire me. Like, I just sort of had this sort of general idea of, I want to figure out how to make enough money to survive (laughs) as a writer. And so the very first thing that I did was I actually, a couple days after I quit my job, I took my laptop, I went to a coffee shop, and I made a list of like, maybe like 50 or 60 people that I knew, and all kinds of people, friends, um, you know, former classmates from college, former professors from college, uh, people I used to babysit for when I was a teenager, like, uh, just anyone that I could think of, who, who knew me in some way or another, you know, who knew me and who liked me, and who maybe might be willing to help me in some way. And I sat in that coffee shop. I remember I drank way too much coffee and I was like insanely caffeinated and excited. And one by one by one by one by one, I sent a quick little personal email to each of those 50 people one by one. And I just told them the truth. I said, hey, you know, I have some exciting news. I just decided to quit my job. In fact, I quit three days ago. Uh, I am launching myself as a freelance writer uh, and then I made a little quick list. I was like, you know, these are the, these are the types of projects that I would be especially excited to do bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. And then I basically just said, you know, if, if you ever need to hire a writer or an editor, if you know someone who's looking for that type of person, if you know someone who knows someone who's looking for that type of person, just, you know, keep me in the back of your mind. I would love to connect with them. Uh, thank you so much. I hope you're having an amazing day. And So just a really quick, simple little email, not really asking for like any huge favors, but just kind of saying, you know, hey, I have some exciting news. There's been a big change in my life and and here's what I'm doing now. And so yeah, I blasted out about 50 of those emails to 50 different people over the course of a couple of days. And by the end of that week, about half of those people responded everyone was super supportive and you know even if they couldn't help me right at that moment people were just really kind and said you know congratulations or that sounds really brave or i wish you all the best and and then about 5 of those people had a job lead for me you know they they either wanted to hire me for something or they were able to make an introduction for me to another cl- potential client or they were able to you know kind of unlock some type of door for me and that is really how I lined up my first five paying clients. It was really just by emailing my friends and family and, you know, inner tribe of people who already know me. And that's what got the ball rolling. Now, like, to be clear, those first five clients, these were not like $50,000 contracts, <laughs> like, you know, someone hired me and paid me 45 bucks to, to write their resume. But like, but it was a start and it kind of got the ball rolling, um, And then that's just kind of how that first year went along. I I, I hustled, I reached out to people, I introduced myself, I had coffee dates, I started a blog, I started my newsletter. I did a lot of things to try to make my presence known and try to let as many people as possible know, hey, I'm available, (laughs) you know, I am here and I would love to do a project with you. And yeah, there were absolutely... So many dry spells and difficult moments that first year, where the clients were just not knocking on my door, or you know, I would send out an invoice and a client would quote unquote forget to pay, or you know, there would be lulls where the money was just not flowing, and there were so many scary moments. Um, however, I just kind of kept grinding along, and by the very end of that first year, I remember I was doing my tax paperwork, and I realized, wow. I actually made this year about exactly the same amount of money that I made that was basically my annual salary for the job that I quit. So, like, I kind of replaced my salary. And granted, my salary at my previous job was not very big (laughs) because (laughs) it was a public radio station. But there was something about seeing that number and realizing I did it. You know, I've been self-employed for a year and it was hard, but things are getting a little easier now. And I actually earned almost exactly the same amount of money being self-employed as I did when I had that job. But I have, you know, infinite more freedom now and more potential to grow. And seeing those numbers, you know, kind of side by side, that was a real big confidence boost for me and made me feel like, I'm gonna continue on this path. This is the right path for me. And it's, I know it's only gonna get better from here.
0: I love that you shared about the the emails and how you just, I'm a big proponent for tiny actions. And I know you talk about like tiny projects <laughs> and things like that. And that's yeah. what I mean when I talk to people about like taking just tiny steps, how hard is it to sit in a coffee shop and like you said, make a list of people and then shoot off those emails. It's, that's not a huge commitment. And you're not even talking to anybody face to face. So it's you do it on your own time. And it's, it's not as intimidating. So I love that one thing that I would love to talk about since we're talking about um, how you got started about your process, uh, particularly your creative process. So I know you said you you love writing. I would love to know, like, what is your creative process? How are you able to write in such a way that like really connects with your audience?
1: Ooh. Oh, that's a fun question. So, I mean, in terms of my creative process, at this point, I write, you know, I write so much. I'm constantly working on writing projects for clients. It's how I make money. I'm also, you know, I write new articles and newsletters almost every single week. So it's, it's almost like I'm, I'm constantly on the lookout for a story, you know, for inspiration, almost like a journalist. Um, my friend, Susan, she talks about this, like, being a being a journalist in your own life, meaning, you know, everywhere you go, you're you're having a chat with your girlfriend, you're meeting someone for brunch, you're at the gym, you're at the yoga class, you're registering to vote, you're, you know, whatever you're doing, it's like you've constantly got your eyes and ears open looking for that great story that you can grab and then that you can share in your blog, in your newsletter, you know, with your audience, whatever that may be, so... I'm kind of just like constantly searching and listening (laughs) for that moment of inspiration and then when it comes i i obsessively record everything i'll record an audio note on my phone so i don't forget uh i have you know a a list of i have a document on my desktop on my computer with just a list of like story ideas newsletter ideas blog post ideas just ideas 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 that i can go back and refer to later and i just try to capture ideas the instant they fly into my brain, because if I don't write them down, they will leave (laughs) and I will not remember. Are you like that too? Do you have trouble like retaining things unless you write it down right away?
0: Yes, I get the best ideas in the shower, but it's like the time it takes to get out the shower and dry off half of them leave.
1: (laughs) Okay, so I have a friend who's just like that too. And she got like a special waterproof dry erase board that you can put in the shower and you can write down your shower ideas in the shower.
0: I'm going on Amazon as soon as we're done.
1: (laughs) Amazon.com. Save your life.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Because I'm telling you, sometimes I'm just like, Oh, my God, maybe I'll just drip dry and (laughs) try to write it down at the desk.
1: (laughs) Yes. Or, you know, one time I actually get really good ideas in the shower too. anytime that I'm relaxed, you know, if I'm taking a walk, if I'm in the shower, or one time I was getting a massage, and I got an idea just like hit me, and I knew if I don't record this right now, I'm gonna forget. So I like awkwardly said to the massage therapist, like, um, could you like, could you just leave for like one minute? <laughs> I need to write things down. And they were like, uh, okay. So I literally like busted out my notebook that was in my purse and wrote it down while I was covered in coconut oil, and it was it was awesome. So <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do <laughs> to get those ideas. Um. But yeah, in terms of you know, process, I think you also asked about like how do you how do you write in a way that, that connects with people. And something that I, I do a lot and that I encourage people to do is, you know, I, I have a lot of people who take my writing classes who say, I wanna write, but I don't really have any like super original ideas or I feel like what I wanna say has already been said before and someone else has said it better, like you know, I, I subscribe to all these other newsletters, or I read all these other books, and it's like all these other people—Oprah, Cheryl Strayed, you know, Brene Brown, Marie Forleo, Daniel Laporte—all these people that I admire. It's like they've already said it. So, what do I have to offer? And what I say to that is, if there's a message that you want to share—a uh, message like, "Be kind to yourself," or Take it one step at a time, or today is not over yet, there's still time, or maybe your message is life is short, you know, make the most of today. Whatever the message is that you want to share, yeah, it probably has been shared a million times before because there are certain universal, timeless messages that human beings need to hear over and over and over and over. And the way that you express that message with your personal twist or by telling a story that happened to you, you'll make that timeless message fresh again. And it will resonate with your audience in a different way than if somebody else was sharing the exact same message. So in other words, if you feel like, oh, this message I want to share is so cliche or it's been said before, that's actually a good thing because that means you've tapped into one of those timeless, universal human messages that needs to be shared again and again and again and again by a variety of different people in a variety of different ways. And the way that you share it might really click with someone in your audience in, an, in a new way. Even if they've heard that message before, the way that you say it might land in their heart and they might for the first time really get it. You know what I mean?
0: Yes. Ooh, that was so good. I that's like the soundbite from this episode because so many people are like, but it's already been done before. That's the thing that I'm always trying to talk people off that ledge. Like, let's come back from that. It doesn't matter. But I love how you phrase that and just everything. I, I can I don't have anything else to say. Like everything right yeah. there was just great. It's
1: like, of course it's all been said before. And that's a good thing. Like if you look at Jesus Christ, you look at Gandhi, you look at Dr. King, what are they all saying? They're all saying, be good to one another don't be an asshole. (laughs) Don't be a horrible (laughs) person. They're all sharing the same message of love, right? But they're each sharing it through their lens in a slightly different way. And it's the same with all of us, you know, who are blogging and podcasting and writing books and creating online courses and, and, you know, this kind of new media. We're all sharing the same kinds of messages, but we each bring our own personal story, our own lens to it. And in your own way, you can make it fresh again. Um,
0: but don't be afraid if it's been said before. That's good.
1: <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. Okay. So I want to ask you, and this comes from my biz bestie, Siobhan. So, hey, Siobhan. And this is something that we've discussed before, but I feel like I need you to mention your your philosophy on social media first before I can ask you your question. So you have a really kind of, I don't even know how to dis- to say it, but You're the only person I know who's building an amazing creative business that's just like screw social media. So I would love for you to talk about that.
1: Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) I actually was curious, what's your relationship with social media? Like, do you, do you have a love hate relationship? Do you enjoy aspects of it, but not others? What are, what platforms are you using nowadays? I'm curious to
0: know. So this keeps coming up. I have a love hate relationship with social media for the most part, I'm a social media consumer, but I always struggle with posting things consistently because it just feels frivolous sometimes. And I also don't want to dedicate that much time to having to plan out a social media thing. So I, I understand the benefits and it has benefited me, but I don't always love it. And I in, Instagram in particular is the one that I most like to use, but it's the one that I hate the most because of all of the comparison. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. yeah yeah I mean I'm right there with you and if for me it's similar you know I, I think social media is such an amazing invention amazing tool and it can be used in so many beautiful ways like it can be used to you know spark an important conversation it can be used to you know convey truthful news. It can be used to share stories. It, it can be an art project. You know, you can share, I know photographers who use Instagram as like their, their personal gallery, you know, so social media is, is dope. <laughs> social media is great. However, um, I do think that it has become so all consuming in our culture and so many people are feeling that kind of love, hate pull and are feeling burnt out or just feeling like, you know gosh why am i spending so much time doing this you know it can can kind of sneakily like suck up so much of your day and so that's kind of the position that i found myself in a few years ago maybe like four years ago i was i was just kind of assessing how i was using social media and at the time i was very active on social media i did Twitter, I did Instagram, I had Pinterest, I think I had a Vine at one point, like I <laughs> all the, you know, MySpace, whatever. I had all the things. And there was just one day where I really sat down and I, I started to kind of wonder like, how much time am I actually spending? Like if I were to track it really diligently, how much time and like mental energy is going into social media every day. And I I didn't know, I didn't know the answer to that. So I literally sat down one day with a calculator. And I came up with like a rough estimate of, you know, for example, every time I post one tweet, that represents about 10 to 12 minutes of my life because it's like, you know, it's a minute or two to come up with the tweet in your brain. Then you got to type it into your phone. Then you got to edit it and make it shorter. That's another minute or two. (laughs) Then you post it. Then you got to track it, see who retweeted it, who liked it, who shared it. That's another couple of minutes. Then maybe later in the day you check again, who who, who retweeted it now, you know, blah, 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 blah. And who sent me a direct message. So when you really total it all up, I, I decided, okay, one tweet equals about 12 minutes of my life. And then I took my calculator and I multiplied 12 minutes times the number of times I had tweeted in the previous year. And then I multiplied that by like the next 40 or 50 years. So like, in other words, if I were to continue tweeting at my current rate for the rest of my life, you know, for the next several decades of my life and career, What's the grand total? How much time would I be putting towards Twitter? And what my calculator told me was that the answer was about three years of my life. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and I did not believe it. And I was like, that can't possibly be right. I must have entered an extra zero in there somewhere or whatever. But I redid the math several times and that was correct. It was three years and and that's just twitter like not even including facebook instagram email you know all the other things and i immediately felt i felt really emotional you know like i felt almost a little sick to my stomach i felt scared i felt ashamed I, i just felt like that's not okay you know that that's Twitter's great and all that. But like, that's not the kind of life I want. Um, That just doesn't feel right to me for some reason. So the long story short is gradually over the course of a couple of years, I took little baby steps and I started to deactivate my social media profiles one by one by one. And I started at first by just taking a little break. Like I I decided I'm just going to take the summer off from Twitter and just see how it feels, you know, and see, see if there's any positive impact in my life, see if there's any negative impact in my life, like if suddenly I have zero clients or, you know, whatever, just to see how it would go. And it went really good. (laughs) It 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 was fine. And life goes on even without Twitter. And so, yeah, over the course of maybe two years or so, I just shut everything down and I decided... I just kind of came to a point where i was like you know what i i love having my own website i love sharing my articles on my site i love my newsletter like that's actually a really fun inspiring way that i love connecting with people and sharing i love writing books Um, and for now those are the ways that i want to connect with people and I just want to subtract social media from my life. It just doesn't feel like a top priority at this point. So I did, and you know, people often ask, especially people who are self-employed or who run businesses, like, but then how do you find clients, right? Because we've all been fed this narrative that like social media is how you market yourself and get clients. But the thing is, you know, businesses have been around for centuries, long before Facebook ever existed and there are so many different ways to get clients and get customers. I mean you can, like we talked about earlier, you can sit in a coffee shop and send a personal email to 50 people who love you and let them know about your exciting new project. You can make posters, you can make flyers, you can make a podcast, you can start a blog, you can give a free talk at your local library, you can partner up with a local business that's a little more established than you, and you can ask your friends for referrals. You can, you know, there's no, no end to the number of ways that you can build relationships and get clients. Social media is one of those ways, but it's not the only one. And it might not even be the most effective one,
0: you know, mm. so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is such an important point.
1: Yeah, So I'm a really, really, really big fan of I, look, I'm not saying like everyone delete Facebook forever. Like everyone needs to make their own personal call. And what I do want to encourage people to do, though, is be mindful and be, you know, be thoughtful with how you're using social media and, and maybe take a moment to ask yourself what are the aspects of social media that i really like you know what feels meaningful um you know and what doesn't and do i need to be using it as much as i currently am or could i scale it back and like reclaim some of my time um and or do do i need to be using it at all maybe the answer at this chapter of your life is no you don't so just asking those questions i think is so important Um, It sounds like you've been kind of questioning social media a little bit. What are some of the the thoughts or questions you've been asking yourself?
0: Uh, Basically, do I need this? I actually took off the summer from social media, and particularly Instagram. I just stopped, and I wanted to see, like, will my business implode, and it didn't. Uh, (laughs) Most of the numbers didn't really change. You know, things that I track, I still got same number of newsletter subscribers on average same podcast downloads same visitors to my site so that was really eye-opening um Mm. it was really helpful to not have that access to what everybody else is doing and Mm. during that time in three days i wrote this i thought it was going to be a new (laughs) opt-in and it was just supposed to be like 10 tips on how you can move past fear and start on your ideas and i wrote 4,000 words in three days and oh. formatted it into like a, t- a tiny booklet for Amazon Create Space in, in just like Monday to Wednesday. I submitted it Wednesday night and then sent a PDF of it to this event planner or I was going to, I already spoke, but I had already been booked to speak at an event mm-hmm. and I sent it to her just on a whim. And she was like, I want you to talk about this instead and completely x the other thing and gave me like more time and time on a stage in front of the whole group so it was really crazy like that happened in a five-day span so it really made me realize like maybe you don't need social media and it's just a (laughs) distraction and it's it's limiting your creativity
1: (laughs) oh my gosh I love that story so much because that's yeah that's exactly how it felt for me too it was like once I started subtracting social media from my life, I had so much more space inside my brain, more mental energy, uh, and and also literally more time to focus on other kinds of projects. And I love that for you, you know, dropping away from social media for a while, lo and behold, this idea for a short book just drops into your brain, and you have the, the bandwidth to do it, and you cranked it out, and it led to an amazing speaking opportunity. And Yeah, that's a powerful story about what can happen when we subtract some of the noise and like the
0: digital clutter from our brains of that. (laughs) It it really is. And the funny thing is it hasn't stopped. Like that happened, I spoke in August. I'll speak on that. I'll give that presentation again in two weeks at somebody else's event. And people have bought that little tiny book and I've been getting such amazing feedback. So there is something there about removing yourself from social media and digging into your own work. So I thank you for sharing that. I, I hope that that's helpful to people who are in that place of trying to decide, do they need to do all the things or maybe one thing or just none at all?
1: Yes. Thank you for sharing your story. <laughs> I love that. And yeah, I mean, if you're on the fence and you're feeling nervous or you're, you're wondering, like, you know, like you said, will my business implode if I stop Posting every day then then maybe just do a short-term experiment. You know, you don't have to delete everything Forever, but you could take the summer off you could Take a month off, you know, and 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 then see gather some evidence see if your website traffic has plummeted see if you know you used to get five client bookings a month and now you've got one like like actually look at the reality of what is happening and yeah, you might be pleasantly surprised by how subtracting certain forms of social media from your business, don't cause the chaos and devastation that you fear it will.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Okay. So I want to ask, what do you feel like some of your challenges are about running your business? Because I love for people to get some like insight into, even once you've made it to this point where you're successful, you have a steady stream of clients, you know, things are good. Business is never really I don't feel ever like just easy, easy. So are there things that you find challenging?
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) A lot of things. I would say at this chapter of my business, I really, really, really hate disappointing people. I have like a real complex about that. A little bit of a perfectionist. Okay. Like a lot of perfectionists. Same. (laughs) And so I think my biggest fear, and, and this I notice that this crops up most strongly when I'm working with a brand new client. You know, if it's a client that I've I've worked on, you know, 15 different projects with them and we have a great rapport and they love my work and it's, it's, you know, easy breezy, I usually feel pretty confident. But if it's like a brand new client, let's say they've hired me for a copywriting project and I'm, you know, writing copy for their website or for their marketing campaign or for their, you know, whatever, whatever. It's like that very first time that I send the email to deliver the project to them. I always have a moment of like, Oh my God, what if they hate <laughs> it? Like, what if they're so disappointed that they hired me and like, Oh my God, I'm just going to crumble into a little pile of sadness and like disappear in a crack in the floor. It's like, there's something about the idea of dealing with an unhappy client is just so agonizingly painful to me. And it doesn't happen very often, you know, like usually people are content, or even if they do need some tweaks here and there, it's like no big deal. But there's always that fear of like, what if they hate it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or or what if they think, I think the deeper fear is like, what if they feel disappointed that they hired me and they feel like what they paid me was not worth it? In other words, I'm worthless. Uh, And that's like a really deep, icky monster that that crops up in my mind from time to time and i have to just kind of you know just talk back to that voice in my head because it's a it's it's not good (laughs) it's not a good one um and other other challenges right now are i'm definitely getting better at it but the the more you create and the more people start to find out about your work the more you know positivity and And appreciation you receive, but also on the flip side, there are going to be critics and there are going to be people who just don't get it or who post, you know, I've, I've dealt with one star Amazon reviews about my books. I've dealt with negative reviews on Goodreads and other places where people review books and writing. Um, A few years ago, I helped to start a restaurant business and we had, you know, a couple of horrible Yelp reviews that were like really mean. (laughs) And so it's, I'm getting better at it. But when that little piece of of negative criticism comes my way, you know, it, it hurts. And and even though I know it's not about me, it still feels like it is, you know, because it's, it's my work that they're talking about. It's, it's my baby, it's my project. So that's hard. And I actually, a couple years ago, I wrote a whole book on this topic of dealing with not just criticism but like tough stuff in your career it's it's a book called you're going to survive um because that's basically what i just have to tell myself in those moments like you're going to survive this is not the end of the world one negative review on amazon is not going to kill you or anyone else um there might be even something you can learn from this there might be a way to turn this into a positive opportunity but you know you're you're stronger than you think And you're going to survive. And two years from now, this might actually be like a really hilarious story that you tell (laughs) it (laughs) or something like that. So yeah, those are some of the challenges. But what about you? What's what's challenging in your work right now?
0: Oh, well, like you, I'm a person who doesn't want to disappoint people. And I I also feel that resistance when I have to put out ideas, as much as I love executing ideas and creating things, there is a lot of uh, just anxiety around like, What if somebody shows up the minute I hit submit and says that was stupid? And I know that's irrational because nobody's literally going to show up the minute I submit something and be like, that was dumb. But Mm -hmm. I always have that. Like there's, I just always think like somebody's going to pop up on wherever I posted this thing and immediately like, that was stupid. Why did you post that? (laughs) (laughs) And and it hasn't (laughs) happened yet. And I don't, you know, like you said, there's not too many clients that are just completely unhappy, but that. That feeling is always still there. So that's that's one. Um, trying to work through the per- perfectionism, I think, is the biggest challenge for me right now because I want everything to be perfect. I want everything to look good. I just, yeah. it all needs to be the way I see it in my head and I see it so crystal clear. And, you know, that that delays things because it's like one thing somebody, my one of my best friends always tries to remind me is that. You operate at such a high level. So what you think is a B minus is really an A plus to someone else. And they don't yeah. even notice. And I'm like, but I noticed. And she was like, it doesn't matter because nobody else cares. Like you're the only one that's freaking yeah. out about that. So I, I try to stay mindful of that.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can totally relate. And for me, one thing that's really helped with perfectionism, especially when it comes to like, Releasing a new piece of work into the world because I can fiddle until the end of time and just like futz around and try to, you know, tweak, tweak, tweak and make it even more for you. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you know me. what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, something that's really helped me, and this was a recommendation that I, uh, a coach gave to me a few years ago, is come up with a list of like your personal criteria that needs to be met. And then once it is met, You just have to know in your bones, it's good enough, it's ready. So for example, you know, the personal criteria for me sending out a newsletter might be, you know, do I feel excited about this message? Yes, check. Uh, Did I, you know, run it through Grammarly for spell checking? Yes, check. Did I send it to my assistant to have her proofread it one more time? Yes, check. Uh, Did I click all the links to make sure that they work and they go where they're supposed to go? Yes, check. Uh, Do I feel confident that this message in this newsletter is going to inspire or uplift or help at least one human being (laughs) out there? Yes, check. Okay, well, then all my criteria has been met. Checks across the board. Um, You know, it may not be perfect, but it's good enough and click, out it goes. And there's something about coming up with that list of criteria That really helps me to stop like spinning and spinning and spinning and going, but what if, but what if, it's like, nope, I, I did the things, you know, I, I followed the chocolate chip cookie recipe and it's (laughs) like, it's, it's, these cookies are done, you know, it's, it's time to, it's time to get them out there. So that really helps me. um, And it helps me to stop overthinking at that last phase right before sending something out.
0: That was that was such amazing advice. Thank you for sharing that. I'm definitely gonna make a list because <laughs> I need all the checklists for this.
1: <laughs> yes, checklists. I love checklists.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, we are getting to the end of the show and I always love to end the show with a bit of actionable advice, because I feel like inspiration and hearing people's stories is great, but it's even better to give people something that they can do next steps or things they can try for themselves. So for you, I would love to know three ways or three tips that we can be more confident writers.
1: Yeah. Okay. So tip number one, write about topics that you are genuinely excited about. And that may seem so obvious, but I know so many people, especially business owners, who sit down and they're like, oh, I need to write a newsletter about 10 ways to grow your you know, Snapchat following, and I just don't want to write. It's like, then don't write about that topic. <laughs> 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 write about something else. Write about something that you're obsessed with. Write about an amazing, inspiring person you met. Write about something hilarious that happened to you today. Like, Write about something you are genuinely excited about that lights you up because if you do that, your writing will automatically be more exciting to read, more interesting, and it will just flow easier, you know? Like when your friend asks you, like, can you tell me about a TV show you're obsessed with right now? You're like, oh my God, let me tell you all about it. And it just like flows out of you with no problem. So yeah, tip number one, choose topics that you are genuinely excited and obsessed with. And then tip number two is write as if you are writing to just one person. So in other words, rather than thinking to yourself like, oh, I'm writing a blog post and you know 50 people are gonna read it or I need to write a newsletter and 500 people are gonna read it. Just think, I'm just writing to one person. I'm just writing an email to my best friend. I'm just writing an email to my client. I'm just writing to one person um, as if it's a, a one-on-one conversation. And you can even imagine that person in your mind's eye or you can put a photo of someone on your desk and there's something about when you when you kind of exhale and just pretend that you're, you're just talking to one person your writing immediately becomes more natural it's more conversational it's more human. you don't use like weird corporate jargon. <laughs> Um, it just it kind of smooths out the rough edges, and and you find that it's easier to communicate because we all know how to talk to one person. We do it all the time, every day, right? So pretend like you're writing to just one person. And then the third piece uh, to make your make yourself a more confident writer. The third tip I would share is, hmm, okay, so this is something that I do, and I really recommend it. As you start to share your writing in whatever you know, medium or platform you're sharing it, whether it's social media or you're sharing on a podcast or blog or newsletter or book or whatever, as you start to get that little trickle of positive feedback, you, know, you get an email from a client saying, yeah, I love that newsletter, great job. Or you get an email from a blog reader you've never met and they're like, this really helped me, thank you. As that little trickle of positive feedback starts to come your way, capture it, like take a screenshot Print it out, take a photo, whatever. Like keep a keep a file. In other words, um, I actually have a bulletin board in my office where I just pin nice messages that people have sent me. Because in those moments when my confidence is a little shaky, or I feel nervous, or I feel like oh my god, I'm you know there's so many people who are better writer th- writers than me or whatever. If I just take a quick glance at that board, it Changes my mood. It changes how I feel about myself. So I think it's so important to keep some kind of love file or love folder that you can dip into when you're having a moment of shaky confidence because we all have them. And being an artist, being a writer, being an entrepreneur, being anyone who is creating stuff, this is emotionally challenging work. Like, this is a tough path you have chosen. And there will be so many ups and downs, and there will be, you know, online trolls and negative reviews and, and so many bumps along the way. So all the more reason to start some kind of love folder that you can turn to when you need a little boost. So those are my three tips.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Those they were really great. And especially the last one about the love folder. Everybody needs that for themselves. All right. So uh, my last thing I love to ask book recommendations. What do you recommend? Do you want to tell us a little bit about your book? Because I know that's coming out.
1: Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I have a novel coming out very soon. It might already be out by the time this podcast is popping on the internet. It's called So This Is The End, A Love Story. And it's fiction. It's a little bit sci-fi. Definitely love story in there. And the, the central question of the book is, if you had just 24 hours to live, what would you do with your time? So the story follows this woman. It's a 24-hour, 24-chapter book um, as she navigates her very last day. And I don't want to spoil what happens, but she ends up falling in love. She ends up meeting an amazing person, meeting the love of her life on the very last day of her life, which creates some complications (laughs) if you want to know what happens next go get yourself a copy of so this is the end it's on amazon barnes and noble your local bookstore all the places i hope you like it
0: okay so i will have links to that in the show notes and alex if people want to get in contact with you on the internet where can they find you obviously not social media (laughs) Just
1: kidding, yeah, you can go to my website. It's alexandrafranzen.com. I have articles there. I have lots of free worksheets. I have a newsletter you can sign up for.
0: I do events a couple times a year. Yeah, that's the place to be. Check out my website. And her newsletter get on that newsletter. If you don't do anything else, get on the newsletter. I tell everybody this.
1: <laughs> you are so sweet. I so, so, so appreciate your enthusiasm. It, it means, it really means so much to me because I do love making my newsletter and I'm just delighted when other people find it amusing and fun too.
0: <laughs> thank you again. This was great. I am so excited and so happy that we got to chat and you really just shared so many really wonderful things. So thank you again.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it so much.